Turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 1. And the title of my message today is Life Isn't Fair. Um, And sometimes we think that life should be fair. We think that if we do good things, good things happen. We do bad things, bad things happen. And that's generally how we're raised. If you are uh, raised in a family, you know, your, your parents or, or who's ever correcting you say, if you do bad things, you know, you're going to get punished. You do good things, you're going to get rewarded. And that's basically how it should be. And uh, when we look at our life, though, and we look at how that seemingly the wicked get ahead, or how that people who do a lot of good things with their life, somehow uh, they, they end up with bad things happening in their life, we begin to wonder, and we begin to wonder what is this about and how is it that God is at work if he is not taking care of the people who have been good and bad things happen to them. And like uh, Rabbi uh, Soloff, no, not Rabbi Soloff, he wrote Rabbi Kushner. Uh, why, why good people? So whenever we think of these things, uh, we are challenged. And most of the time we come back to Job. When things are going really bad, people read the book of Job. Uh, And things are not going really bad. I'm just coming to the book of Job, all right? So it isn't like, because I've had back surgery, my wife was laid up with her leg. And because, uh, because, no, (laughs) it isn't because of that that I, I chose this this morning. But that life is not fair. And that we don't understand why bad things happen to good people. And we don't understand why certain things happen the way they do in our lives. But we know this, as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus Christ, we know that God is with us and that God will give us the strength to see us through and God will give us the direction in our life because we are dealers in hope. And I I was thinking as I was praying, um, last week we mentioned that whenever we have the ability to create, we have the ability to create, our words create something. Our words create encouragement. Our words create despair. Our words create relationships, and our words break them. And it is inside of us, as Christians, we have the ability to create hope in very hopeless situations. So whenever we are caught in this mental picture of mental dilemma of life isn't fair, we have to look at what we are saying, how we are saying, and what we are expecting. So in Job chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And um, Jose was able to change the, um, from the Message Bible, right? Yeah, to the NIV. Usually I read the Message Bible, but last night my printer wouldn't print. Uh, the ink was out of it. So I usually print out the, the Bible, the, the version I'm going to uh, read and then have it here and then they, Jose is able to put it up. Well, I couldn't print anything last night, so we're doing the NIV right out of the book that I have, okay? So we're reading the NIV, Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the land of Oz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright, and he feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons, three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. 
and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run, run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning he would sacrifice burnt offerings for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So what we have here is Job is the Donald Trump of, of his time period. Uh, or maybe, you know, whoever is the wealthiest man in the world at this time. Uh, Job was that individual. And I often refer to Job in, uh, whenever, I, whenever I think of death and whenever I think of uh, recovery, that Job says that though, uh, though my body be destroyed in the earth, and the King James says, though my body be eaten with worms, that though my body be destroyed in the earth, yet in my flesh I will see God, and, not, and it will be me and not another. Job believes in the resurrection. Job believes in how that when life is over, long after he has departed this earth and his flesh has disappeared, that there will come a time when he will see his Redeemer with his own eyes. Now, there are no other books written. Job is considered one of the oldest books of the Bible. That is one of the first books written. And so he didn't have the writings of Moses and the, the law and all that going on. What he is faced with here is the reality of his relationship with God versus the realities of life that have come so, so quickly out of nowhere to devastate his life, to take from him everything that he possesses. And, uh, and it's in this situation that we have the story of Job. He is a very real person in a very real time frame. Now, a couple of, a couple of other little tidbits that Job is the one who says, my Redeemer sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Now, in Job's time frame, when Job was written, the, the astrologers and the people who uh, really understood the solar system believed that a giant atlas, no, a giant turtle, was going across the cosmos with a giant man standing on the back of the uh, turtle carrying the earth, <laughs> which was a flat surface. Job says, my Redeemer sitteth upon the circle of the earth. So Job, you know, whenever you start looking at the scriptures and start seeing how that, um, you know, the popular thought at that time period, Job says it entirely different. God sitteth upon the circle of the earth. You know, let's think of the big blue marble now, we think of it. But Job understood that and he had that insight. So if we've ever said it to ourselves, you know, life isn't fair, and the implication is that God isn't fair. Um, that somehow I don't deserve this. I've been good. I've done the right things. Uh, if it wasn't for me and for my actions, other people would have problems in their life and we've been able to help them and yet somehow we end up with the short end of the stick. And people said, well, where does the short end of the stick come from? Well, it comes from drawing straws, and the guy who gets the shortest straw is the one who's stuck doing it, okay? So you end up with the short end of the stick. So how would our, um, you know, as we look at, I think of the song our, worldly, our, our, our world puts out there, Only the Good Die Young. Anybody heard that song? <laughs> so what is that promoting? I don't want to be good. Why? Because then I'm going to die young. You know, and even in bereavement, I often say, um, don't tell, when you're talking to, about death with children, well, don't tell children 
that grandpa died because uh, God loved them. And then God took them. So what you're saying is to this child is that God loved grandpa, so he took him, he stole them from us, and, and, uh, and he, he killed them and stole them from us and took them from us. Because what's a child, what'd you tell the child? Well, I'm not, I don't want that guy loving me because he'll come and kill me at night when I'm sleeping. <laughs> uh-huh. So we have to be careful how we describe death to children. You know, we have to talk about it. We don't hide it. We tell them, you know, Grandpa's heart had a problem and his heart stopped beating and, and, and his heart, uh, you know, he died and then he went home to be with God. God didn't come and steal him because he loved him and took him someplace else so you couldn't have him. Well, didn't I love Grandpa enough? If I'd have loved Grandpa more, God wouldn't have taken him. Well, thinking of a little child. All right, this other one, since come to mind, I'll tell you anyhow. Uh, you know, well, sometimes we do the very same thing. Uh, the, the idea that um, here you are, you have a brand new car, paid for it, cash. It's a car of your dreams. And uh, you're sitting in here listening to me, and, and the uh, knock at the door comes, and it's a state trooper, and says, you know, such and such a car was stolen from your parking lot. And you go, oh my gosh, that's my brand new car. State trooper says, it's okay, we found the guy who stole it. He made it a block down the road and he ran into a tree. So I want you to come out and make sure this is your car. So there you are, my brand new car, it's running into a tree. I walk down the street and there's, this, there's, my, there's my car wrapped around a tree. And the trooper says, I want you to, this is the man who stole your car. I want you to go up and give him a big hug and tell him you love him. Yes, officer, I am going to do that. <laughs> so the idea then is that's how we, we look at this and we do the very same thing with God. Well, God, you know, if God, isn't, is God, if God is not fair and life is out of control and we somehow think, well, you come to church and tell God you love him. Yeah, right. You know, here's a God who messed up my life and now we want to come to church and sing songs about loving him. And, and, but the, the, the challenge then is for us to understand that even though God is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, all-knowing all God, he is still in control of all things, but yet we still control how we respond to things. And going back to the idea that things happen to bring, th things that happen in our life bring out stuff that's inside of us. And sometimes it's the stuff inside of us that needs dealt with. Some of that stuff is left over from events and, that happened a long time ago in our lives that we've never dealt with. And we need to deal with those things in a healing way. In a healing way that sets us free from them. You see, human logic about God is he is either unfair or he is powerless. See, if there is an all-knowing, all-powerful all, all God... And there are things going on in this planet, this world, so either God is unfair or he is powerless. And some people believe that God, God created this world and he threw it out there to let it do its thing and he'll come back someday and, and straighten it all out. Until then, he has nothing to do with it. All those are uh, misnomers and wrong concepts. False teachers invite people to come to the master's table 
because of what's on it, not because they love the master. You see, unanswered pain is all through the Bible. The one story turned to when things are really rough is the the story of Job and the story about spiritual battles that rage over each of our lives. And one of the things we find out is that our life is more than what it appears to be. You know, our world would like us to think that we are the greatest of all evolution, we've evolved to the highest position that possibly can be, and therefore we are the supreme being in our own lives, determining what happens and what doesn't happen, and it's all about me. I've done it my way. I've got to the top. You know, like the one guy said, you, you, you climb to the top of the ladder only to find out it was against the wrong building. And uh, we have our life that we are looking at and how that we are building our life and we want it to be of value. But in Job chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 then it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. So here we have Satan's desire to make war against all who have become friends of God. And also in this scripture, we find that Satan, evil, can only go so far. He's still accountable and he still has, (laughs) he still has to get permission. You see, most Christians don't recognize that they have an enemy or even know that they have an enemy. Uh, The evil intent is to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything that brings honor to God. So if we desire to serve God, there are going to be problems in our life. But there are problems in everybody's life. There are people, uh, you know, I, I deal with individuals who are terminally ill, and some people have great faith, and some people have no faith, and they're all, they're all both going to die. You know, the both situations, these people are still going to die with their illness, but they have to come to some conclusion about what's going on in their faith. And, you know, one individual, I, I used this, said this last week, was that he said that, um, I asked him, you know, about his faith, and he says, yeah, I believe in God, I have his picture on the wall. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's, you know, and at first I thought, you know, that's kind of funny, you know. Is it a recent photo? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so uh, I was going to ask him, you know, is this a recent photo between you and God together, or, you know, is this just a, a portrait, you know? Um, but the sad thing was, that was his entire faith. That's all the man had, or the woman had, you know. I'm not telling you who it was. He was a man or a woman, you don't know. But it, it was, you know, it was all that that individual possessed was a picture. And that's, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Why? I got his picture on the wall. So our intent is to find out what God wants in our life. And the enemy of our soul, the enemy of God, delights with trying to trip us up and get us all mixed up in our faith and and mixed up about what's going on. I remember years ago when uh, it was a guy who worked at our farm, and uh, we were talking about it because we always went to church, always went to church. And this, this guy said, well, you know, I would believe in God, except for one, one reason. If I can get this answer, 
I would go to church. And I thought, wow, well, maybe I can help him out. You know, I'm 14 years old or whatever. And the guy says, well, what's your question? He says, where did Lot get his wife? What? <laughs> it's like, you know, no, where, where, excuse me, not Lot, Cain, Cain killed Abel. Uh, Cain killed Abel. Where did Cain get his wife? There we go. Where did Cain get his wife? I was like, what? I said, you know, he said, well, there was, you know, Adam and Eve, and they had two sons, Cain and Abel, and, and Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel, then Cain had a, had, had a family. Where did he get his wife? That's what's keeping you from believing in God? <laughs> well, you know, it comes to find out in those days, women were of no purpose. So, sorry, ladies. That's, you know, Christianity gave place to ladies. If it wasn't for Christians, Christianity, there would be, women wouldn't have a vote. <laughs> you know, look at the Middle East. So, that's left over from there. But anyhow, we see how, we see how that people... Have, can create their own barriers, create their own walls. If I could just find this out, and then when they do hear the answer, is that it? Well, then they come up with another question. You see, but in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9 and verse 17, it says this, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, Satan, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. So this is why he talks about the battle of good and evil. That Satan desires worship, and he, of his own pride, desires to rule over heaven and earth. And he wants to take God's place. Well, he's a created being, and he loses the battle. They lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil were Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then the dragon was enraged and went off to make war against those who obey God's command, commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that in um, the book of Revelation it also says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That whenever we are confronted with evil, and evil is not an imaginary um, enemy. Evil is a very real enemy that has a very real presence in our society and in our lives. Just as God is a very real God who has a very real presence in our society and in our lives. You know, it's interesting how that we can be influenced either way. And, and And where I go for this one is when Peter... Uh, Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, wow, that's magnificent. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, my Father in heaven. And then Jesus goes on to say, well, you know, he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to die. And Peter says, no, don't, you can't, that can't happen. And Jesus turns to Peter and say, get thee behind me, Satan. So in one moment... He is influenced by God, and in the next moment, he's influenced by evil, and Peter doesn't even know it. Peter isn't, he's not even like, what? What's going on here? How could such a thing happen? And and when we look at these things in our life, we know that there are certain times in our life, we've we've done things, and wow, that wasn't wasn't too smart, you know? (laughs) I'm, I'm a few sandwiches short of a picnic basket. I like that one. 
I'm a few sandwiches short of a picnic. Uh, but the idea is that we, we, we learn from our experiences and we learn in the scriptures the things that are important to us. That Satan can only go as far as God permits. Um, verses 6 and 7 of Job chapter 1 says that the angels came before themselves, the, angel, the angels came before God and, and, and Satan was there. Um, he's accountable to God. Satan can only go as far as God permits. God will uh, always be with us and he will help us and he will guide us through his word and through his testimony in our own lives that uh, Satan considers God as his enemy and he tries to hinder God's work in people, but he is limited. He is limited. Evil doesn't know what you're thinking. Evil doesn't know what you're thinking. Evil can only read your actions. Evil only knows what you say. That's why the scriptures tell us to speak the word, to pray the word, to allow the word to be in our hearts and lives. Jesus overcame evil by quoting the scripture and understanding the scripture. It's important for us to know what the scriptures mean, what the scriptures mean to our life and what the intent of the scriptures is when it was given by, by God, and especially in the New Testament, how that the Holy Spirit revealed these things unto the disciples and unto the early church. Um, we do not need to confuse fame with success. I, I found this, in a, is, it's like Madonna is famous, but Billy, Billy Graham is successful. Donald Trump is famous. Helen Keller is successful. You see, Job is successful. He is successful in that what he has built, he has built in his life by his relationship with God. And his relationship with God says to him that what type of a, what type of a God this is. And if, if you read through the book of Job, there's, there's a number of individuals who are always trying to convince Job that he did something wrong. See, and that goes into our, our mentality, life isn't fair, that it means that I did all the right things. I don't deserve this. Just like Job, he'd, he'd done all the right things, and he was the wealthiest man of his time. He was the most influential, most wealthiest man of his time period. And so the people, their understanding, their three friends show up, and his three friends try to comfort Job by telling him, you did something wrong. Because if you hadn't done something wrong, this wouldn't have happened to you. And that's the mentality that tells us that life isn't fair. Because if life is fair, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't be in this problem. You wouldn't have these troubles. But we find that with, with God, God has a way of turning. The Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That no matter how life seems to be unfair, God can take the, most, the worst of situations and turn it around to be the best of things in our life. Because we are about the kingdom of God, not about the kingdom of David. Not about the, your kingdom or the kingdom of a, of, of, of a political party or of a, of a community. God is about working in our life to build the kingdom of God. And as we find God building the kingdom of God in us, we find that we are part of other individuals working for the same goal, to build the kingdom of God, not only here, but around the world. It's called the body of Christ. You see, 
And if evil understood and knew everything, he would have never tempted Job. He would have never taken from all, all, all the things that he took from Job's life. Because the outcome was God gave back to Job every, double, every, every, double what, he had, what he had lost. And the book of Job is a, is a story to us and an illustration to us that we don't always understand, but we can trust God no matter where we are at in our life. If evil had understood everything, we would never had Jesus Christ crucified. If evil understood, we would have never had Christ crucified because it was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of, the Lamb of God, whose sin, whose um, blood takes away the sin of the world. And it is our relationship with Jesus Christ, his resurrection from the dead, that gives us hope in our life, in this life and in the life to come. So if evil were all that intelligent, no, he's, better, he's more intelligent than us and more powerful than us, but God in us gives us the strength to overcome evil. God in us gives us the strength to look at the things that surface in our life and deal with them in a healing way. Everything that has happened to us, perhaps even as, you know, even as children, we didn't deserve. It didn't deserve it to happen that way, but God has a way to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the woundedness inside of us. To be the healer inside of us. Set, you know, setbacks, tragedies, sorrows strike Christians as well as non-Christians. There's a scripture that says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That, that means, that's a blessing. Blessings fall upon the just and the unjust. Because in the Middle East, rain is a blessing. <laughs> you know, around here, if it rains, it just ruins our whole day. Yeah. But in the Middle East, there's no water. And when it rains, they are, they are extremely thankful. And the blessings of rain fall upon the just and the unjust. So, in our hearts... Um, In our hearts, God is at work to change us from the inside out. The way we respond to our trials and our troubles, we have basically two responses. Why me, God? God, use me. <laughs> you know? Why me, God? Or God, use me. So wherever I am at, no matter what trouble or trial comes my way, what good is coming out of this? And what good comes out of it is I can look at what I am doing. But you see... Our tests and our trials bring to the surface things that are inside of us. And the things inside of us, it isn't that person that needs dealt with, it's me that needs dealt with. Because I'm the one in charge of my life. And I cannot allow other people to dictate how I'm going to respond with what's going on in me. You see, and the, 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 the idea of evil is to bring about separation between you and God. And God's idea is to bring a closeness between us. And when things inside of us surface, whenever we feel that life is unfair, we begin to challenge the very core of our faith, that God doesn't love me, or God doesn't care, or God somehow is out of control, when none of those things are true. God is in control. We, he then 
Sad thing is, he empowers us to deal with life. And if we try and deal with life in our own package, in our own understanding, we end up hurting or destroying ourselves. And always, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, not funny, but kind of, God will always give us another opportunity to experience those same emotions and deal with them in a different way or deal with them in the same way. That, that message is about the children of Israel come to the promised land. And God says, go in and get it. And they say, ah, oh, we can't go. There's giants in the land. And they disobey God and they take a 40-year trip. They take a 40-year trip and they end up coming back to the very same spot with the very same command, go and, go and take the promised land. Did you ever notice that some of the things were just always making your trip back to the same level and to the same place and we get the same experience Maybe different people, different setting, but it's the same emotions that are brought to the surface. And it's like, okay, David, did you deal with this yet? Did you deal with this yet? Did you, did you allow my spirit to work in your life, to clean this up in your life? Or is it still there? And so we, and we have those challenges that they come to us. And you see, adversity strengthens real faith. Because adversity calls us to draw upon that which is not which is greater than ourselves, and that is God. God is fully aware of every attempt by evil to bring suffering and difficulty into our lives and into the lives of others and into the world around us. But God is never caught off by, never caught, he is never surprised. God isn't surprised by what goes on in your life. God has already gone before us on this path to give us what we need to complete the journey, to complete the walk, to go through the day. It's already there. We just have to recognize that he is there to walk with us. We're not alone in this. And um, Job, verse 20, he didn't hide his overwhelming grief. He was devastated by his losses. He was devastated by his losses. And, you know, some people are hard on Job's wife when he says, you know, curse, she says, curse God and die. She had just lost all of her children. She just lost everything, in a, you know, her social status. She had just lost everything. She was a woman in extreme grief. And that's what happens sometimes in grief. It's like, the, the pain is too much to bear. And God doesn't... God has a way of healing the brokenhearted. And if you go through the book of Job and you come to the end, I don't know if I'm going to do any more on the book of Job, but if you go to the end of the book, Job sees God and he knows everything is okay. And in our relationship, whenever we come to that point of, of our relationship with God, and we know he is with us, everything is okay. No matter what the tragedies, no matter what the problems, no matter what the difficulties, no matter what surfaces in our life, if we can just see God and know that God is with us, there's a peace that he gives us. There is an understanding that he places in our mind and in our hearts that it's okay. And we're safe there. And it's in that safety and in that security 
we know life isn't fair, but God is with me every step of the way. And when it's all said and done, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm the one that's responsible for my life and my responses. And no matter how much I try, I can't, play, I can't blame it on the guy who pulled out in front of me. Can't blame it on my wife. Can't blame it on my kids. Can't blame it on people. Can't blame it on the government. Can't... It's me. So how then do I deal with me and get rid of the garbage that comes in life? How do you, how do you purify gold? Heat it up. And what happens when you heat up gold? Anybody, you're, tell me about what you do with your gold, okay? What do you do when you heat up gold? The junk comes to the top. And when the junk comes to the top, you say, all the gold is worthless and throw it all out. <laughs> no. The heat causes the gold to liquefy, the liquid gold bubbles, and the impurities of the gold come to the surface. And sometimes in our life, when we are in trials, the impurities come to the surface. But the pureness is beneath the impurities. So what we do is we take off the dredges. We take off the, the garbage. And what's left is the pure gold. And in our life, sometimes in heated moments, we th see things coming to the surface. Well, that's okay. God helped me to deal with these things to get rid of them. Because underneath it is really who I am. God loves me in spite of all the dredges and all the garbage in our life. And his spirit and his word come to take away that garbage in our life and to continue to purify us in our relationship with him, our relationship with others. And we continue to make a difference because we have the ability to create love, create friendship, create hope with our words.